Hi, I'm Nick. Hi, I'm Thomas. And this is the Unbossing Podcast. A show about unleashing the full potential of every organization. So to be clear, unbossing is making very clear for everybody in the organization how a decision is made, what types of decisions are made, um, and how they are made, and when they are made, to support the organization. Yeah? I like it. Mm. But okay. Philippe, what, what, you, what were your main challenges when you started at uh, LHH? I started one year ago now, Nick, uh, with LHH, and when I uh, came, you have to know that there were some years with a lot of changes with it, uh, LHH, so a lot of new bosses. And when I came, uh, the first question that I got is, how long will you be our leader? So they didn't trust uh, that I was coming there uh, or that I was just coming to have a next step in my career. Um, so we had to work on that one. Okay, they, they thought you were just passing through. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So And, and uh, how did you deal with that, Philip? How did you tackle that? Well, I knew, of course, um, that there had been some, let's say, uh, hiccups in, uh, in the past because when you change a lot of uh, leaders, uh, then, yeah, people don't believe anymore in the future of the, of the company, obviously. Uh, so I, I knew the situation and uh, I actually made them a promise um, and I was really blunt on that one. I said, hey, I'm not going to tell you what I'm going to do in 10 years because that horizon is too long in this uh, fast moving world of today. But I yeah. promised them really explicitly that I would uh, be at least a five year their country manager. Um, and to prove that, I talked about my uh, previous uh, jobs. And in every job that I did, I was at least five years in that job. Maybe you can discuss, maybe it's a bit too long, but my track record, uh, I used my track record to prove to them that I'm not hopping from the one job to another one. You started from your personal experiences, yeah, basically. Yeah, it is. Mm. Uh, Philip, can you shortly describe what the core business of LHH is? It's it's part of Adeco Group, right, as yeah. we know. Yeah, we're 100% uh, part of Adeco Group globally and also in Belgium. Uh, we have two activities. The let's say the biggest activity is outplacement. So we guide people after their uh, dismissal with the company. Um, and we get this mission uh, by our customers. So candidates don't come directly to us. There are companies uh, that call us to tell them, hey, we, we will fire X uh, person or just one person. Uh, and then we uh, guide these people um, and give them, yeah, let's say, a new horizon on their professional career. And then the second activity that we have is talent development. But let's say most of the time only talent development if it comes down to soft competences. So I also give, I always give this example. We don't learn people how to drive a truck or uh, how to talk French, 
but we make better leaders, for instance. That's what we do. Okay. Okay, cool. Okay. Um, what is the... Um, you've been there now for one year? Yeah. Yeah? Um, looking back at the challenges you had at the beginning, and now you're one la year later, what, are, what is one or what are the two, maybe three essential insights that you've learned yourself as a, as a person, as a leader, and that you would like to share with others as well? Yeah. Um, first of all, um, new leaders tend uh, to change everything. Uh, learning from me is not to do that immediately and maybe not do that at all. Uh, first, assess really uh, what, what you have in in terms of organization, uh, human capital. Um, and um, so that was the first thing that I did, is to have good conversations uh, with people about how do they feel. Do they feel at home uh, with LHH in Belgium? Uh, are they sitting at the right chair? Uh, because if they are sitting at the right chair, then don't change it, but because then they are doing a great job. That's the first uh, thing that I did. And uh, the most important thing um, is bringing the sales uh, spirit uh, back uh, because we only live when we have a lot of um, satisfied uh, customers. So it's also about uh, being very uh, commercially assertive. Uh, mm -hmm. So that means be the sales leader. I'm the country manager of uh, LHH but I'm also the sales leader, I find, and that's the, the most, or those are the two most important topics that I addressed. Okay, which all comes down to building trust in an organization that has known several leaders over the past years. Yeah. Could you maybe um, share with us what or how you approached that? What, what, what type of initiatives did you take? Uh, what worked, what maybe didn't work? Yeah. Um, first of all, if you look back to the first challenge, uh, namely see that you have the right people uh, on board, is install the right HR uh, performance management methodology. Um, that was not in uh, place. However, we know that in the group that we it's like we know that we need to do that, but it was simply not uh, in place. That means that uh, we formally have, of course, we have a lot of informal conversations with uh, my people, but I also installed a performance management methodology, meaning that four times a year, we formally talk about how do they feel, where they do they want to go, what are their strengths, where do they want to learn, and most uh, mostly important also, how do they feel about the collaboration with me? And then I come back to uh, what I find extremely important is to give feedback uh, to each other. And feedback uh, doesn't mean that I give my feedback to my uh, team members, yeah. but most of the time they give feedback to me and the other team members. That's extremely important. Mm. Yeah. And, and Philippe, this open feedback culture, was that there when you arrived at LHH? There was certainly a beginning of a feedback uh, culture, uh, but let's say that people were not uh, blunt enough uh, to each other. They were too polite, too kind. Um, 
and I find uh, feedback uh, is never personally. It's also it's always addressing a situation Fully and agree. how can we uh, make a situation better uh, in order to progress as a team, but also as the as a company as LHH. Fully agree with you. And do you agree with me that that can be a year-long journey to really achieve this target? especially when we talk about traditional organizations, uh, that even if you are the CEO and you stand there and say, I want now open and clear uh, uh, feedback, don't be afraid that it will not just happen like that because no. you say it, right? No, 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 it's a process. Uh, it says, the word says it all, building trust. Uh, mm -hmm. That means that that goes step by step. Uh, and building up the process is uh, slow, but losing the trust uh, goes very fast if you if you don't uh, do the right things. And maybe the th uh, the three leadership values that are um, let's say important to uh, the group LHH and Adeco Group are also maybe important to mention. And then I talk about uh, warm heart, cool head, and working hands. If you show these three and maybe I can give some examples of it, but if you show these three, I think then you make the right start to build the trust. Yeah. So yeah maybe, uh, maybe one by one. So the first one was working together? Of working, working hands. hands. Yeah. Working what, what, hands. What, what does that mean, working hands? That means that uh, every leader within uh, the group um, should also be part of... Um, of uh, the day-to-day -day, uh, business. Uh, that means uh, that as a country manager, I regularly go together with my sales or alone uh, to our customers to propose uh, what we what we have uh, for our customers. Um, so that shows because you're not always successful. Uh, and when you come back and you didn't win the customer, uh, then you're vulnerable as a leader. But showing this vulnerability, I think, is really uh, strong. Uh, not everything that you do is successful. And I say to my people, I make errors every day. I make, I make errors every day, like everybody, of mm -hmm. course. But showing them and not uh, putting them under the rug mm -hmm. is very important, I mm -hmm. find. Yeah. Especially if you want to build trust. Yeah. yeah. And the second one was one heart. Warm heart. Warm heart. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That actually is uh, simple, uh, but it means that um, you want, you're, that you, you are really interested in the person behind uh, your colleague. Uh, and Do you have an example that manifests that, just like the sales meeting and coming back and not winning the customer? Yeah, maybe something simple, but I'm not sure that every boss does that. Uh, I give my people a phone call when it's their birthday even when it's uh, a day in the weekend, whatever. Uh -huh. I want to celebrate together with them and really take the time to ask them, hey, what are you going to do today? How does your day uh, will look like? Uh, and it's a Warm heart is yeah, all about looking to the human being behind yeah. the roles he's picking up in the organization. Yeah, yeah. But it's really important that it's uh, genuine and authentic. Uh, mm -hmm. So if you're not really a people lover and you just do that because it, it, it's this value, the then, it, call. Yeah. <laughs> then it's, it doesn't work, of course, yeah. And the third one was cool head. 
yeah, cool hat. Um, and maybe I often make um, the comparison with a captain on a ship. Um, I feel that uh, being the boss is not so important. Um, and in the beginning of my career, I made some uh, mistakes about it, like every new leader uh, does. Uh, but I find that if you're a captain on a ship and you're in the middle of a storm, there's somebody who needs to say, okay, we're going to go left because there the sea is much uh, calmer and we can get out of this difficult uh, situation. And then and only then I find that it's important to show uh, that uh, you're the boss and that you can tell where to go, mm -hmm. but only in that situation. Okay. Keep, keep your head cool and, and yeah. take the decision. Yeah, Nick... That could sound at the first uh, phase like a contradiction to the unbossing concept. Yeah, the well, the <laughs> um, that's a nice pass, Thomas. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, the contrary is true. Unbossing doesn't doesn't mean that there are no more decisions for the top management, um, and that every decision should be taken by consent or consensus. Unbossing is really about making it crystal clear how you want to come to a decision in what kind of um, situations. And what Philip explains is that in a crisis situations, um, I want to be a leader that um, almost autocratically takes decisions based on the information I get. And I, and I think in times of crisis, and that's also what research shows, is that um, that's the most effective um, decision-making type, especially if you have someone like Philip who is uh, open to be vulnerable, uh, open to make mistakes, open to listen. It's, it becomes dangerous when you have someone who is the opposite of that, and he, and <laughs> even though the entire organization says we need to go left, out of ego almost decides to go right. Yeah. That, then it becomes dangerous, but yeah. in this case, uh, Philip is a, a true unbossed leader, in times of crisis, that's how you, the, the, the most effective way to take decisions. And in other times, there are other types of, of decision-making that are more valuable. It's all about what's, what's best for the organization in a specific moment and place. And I think, so I completely agree. Uh, and me also. Especially, Philippe, uh, together with this concept of working hands or hands-on, uh, boss, that means when it comes to it, you do know the jobs your people are doing. I, I, I'm not saying, uh, I guess you could do it from one second on as perfectly as they are doing it daily, but you know what it is, right? Yeah, yeah, that, that's, uh, that's important. Um, be, because then you can also uh, feel the difficulties that they face. Uh, for instance, when going <clears throat> to a customer, uh, are the lags that we may have... Uh, in our uh, services to customers, just an example. If you don't know them, you don't know um, how you need to support your people. Yes. You see. And you also wouldn't know how to judge their performance, to come back on that, by the way. No, no, exactly. Um, did you implement any uh, tools or um, to, to, to facilitate um, your initiative to build trust? Um, anything worth sharing there? Yeah, maybe it's uh, nice to share the, the tool that was already in place. And of course, it's not about the tool. It's on, only the, the way that we use the tool. And the, the name of the tool is Beacon. Mm -hmm. 
And that beacon uh, is a survey uh, that is anonymously um, uh, launched four to five times a year. And then people can give their feedback. Uh, and of course, you have fixed uh, topics. Um, but sometimes, um, for instance, now with COVID-19, uh, or with the inclusion, uh, diversity and inclusion uh, topic that we had in the States, for instance, because we are also represented in the States, we felt as an organization that we need uh, needed to customize this beacon survey uh, to uh, inclusion and diversity, to, to, to just measure how our people feel about it. Um, and when uh, you get uh, the feedback of your people, they just type in the feedback anonymously, so you don't know who is giving you this feedback, but I can answer as their, let's so to say, boss, um, and uh, give feedback on, uh, on their remarks. Mm. And, uh, and next to this, can you maybe share one or two other examples how you use this tool um what, what types of other topics do you ask for feedback uh, to your organization yeah so mm -hmm. the output of the beacon is the engagement uh, score mm -hmm. so the, the the way that they feel they are related uh, to lhh if there's a high score they feel really good and they believe in the company if there's a low score you see that they don't believe in the company mm -hmm. Uh, of course, it's not about the score. It the score is just an indication, but it's more about uh, the feedback that uh, they give to you. That can be very diverse. That uh, and feedback. what you do with it, and Let's also see. what what you do do with it. So what I do with it, uh, actually, first of all, I reply to all the feedbacks that I have for, uh, from my people. So when they say, for instance. Uh, I find it, and it's just an example, eh? let's say it, there's too much noise in uh, our office. So then I can reply to say, okay, uh, listen, I don't know who you are because it's anonymously. Can If, if it's not clear from the feedback, uh, then I can um, give another question or I can just give a remark on it to say, okay, listen, uh, we've got, uh, let's say, 10 offices one of this office is really uh, oriented to uh, work without any noise. You can go there when you need to, let's say, work concentrated on a, a certain job. Just pick up your uh, portable and go in the other room. It's just mm. an hypothetically. Mm -hmm. But mm -hmm. this type of really day-to-day uh, -day feedback you can give okay. in the tool. Okay. So let's say four times a year it was that you... Yeah. Um, Four times a year, you source the organization for day-to-day -day things they encounter while working. You go through the feedback, and uh, where you can, you reply or um, add another question to it to clarify the, the situation. Okay, yeah. So you, you really s you get a good sense of what's happening in the organization and how people are feeling. Yeah, and maybe also nice to mention is that the tool itself also gives advices on where you should work based on the feedback because they, they don't only give feedback but also scores. And if uh, the tool sees that, uh, let's say, on the trust level or whatever, you have uh, a uh, tendency to or a decreasing score, then the tool itself uh, gives you the opportunity to say, hey, there's something going on with your trust level. Mm. Uh, just go deeper. 
And then, of course, uh, when we have a monthly team meeting and there I give the feedback, the general feedback, and I say, okay, this and this is going well, but I see tendencies. Mm -hmm. uh, is anybody open? And there the tool facilitates the open and the transparency uh, culture that I'm trying to build. <laughs> because you, 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 you ask them, is anybody open to, to come out now to, to, yeah. to, to yeah. tell it what it is? Yeah. Yeah, and you see now, Thomas, that more and more people are open to give their feedback. And because then I say, hey, I read something about there's too much noise in the office. And then somebody says, hey, it was me that I, I gave this feedback. Yeah. Yeah. And then I can build on that uh, feedback, uh, you see, mm. but always in a safe environment. I always tell them, hey, there's no reason why somebody... Uh, should give the feedback if if you're not safe if you don't feel uh, safe enough to do so mm -hmm. so but you see every time that you initiate yeah. more and more people give the right feedback yeah, it's a it's a great example of how um, data can be a trigger for either self-correction or for creating uh, the safety to start a dialogue I fully yeah. agree I, yeah. I find that fascinating because at the beginning when I hear it's anonymous I have this kind of inner setback which says, naja, that's now not really what we want at the end stage. But it does very obviously support this transition towards mm -hmm. a full transparency. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's a facilitator, it's a facilitator. Uh, if you want. Yeah. Okay. Um, going towards the, the roundup of the conversation, Philip. Um, Maybe a provocative question. Um, what mistake did you make either this year or before that actually afterwards became your biggest lessons learned, value, valuable asset uh, in your career? Uh, can be this year, but also can be from previous experiences. Yeah. Maybe a good one to share for uh, new leaders. When I became a boss, a boss many years ago, uh, I thought I had the power to give a solution to anything that went wrong in the beginning. So uh, every problem, small or heavy, I really sucked it up. I got in the middle of it. Uh, and that's uh, maybe then the advice is when you see a problem or somebody gives you a problem, don't jump in it uh, too soon. Uh, take the time, take distance to assess really what's going on and then uh, make your uh, bet on what the, what the best thing is to do. That's a great one. That's indeed a great one and we know it all so well <laughs> and, we have, and we have spoken about it. Okay, thank you very much, man. Super interesting conversation. Okay, thank, thank you, Nick. You. Also, Thomas, for giving me the opportunity to share. Wow, um, Thomas, another another fascinating guest. I'm really energized um, after this interview with Philip, and um, I'm fairly sure because I, I I saw it in your in your expression during the interview that you also were triggered by the very clear and powerful leadership values that Philip is injecting and implementing um, in his organization. So there were there are three. Leadership values that he mentioned were um, working leaders, 
second one was warm hearts, and the third one was cool heads. Now, if I would ask you to, to pick out one, the one out of those three that for you really stands out in terms of unbossing power and, 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 and message that we want to share with the world, which one would it be for you? Nick, without hesitation, I go for working leader. Because this is so important for your credibility as a leader to understand and also on a daily basis to understand what your team is busy with, how they are dealing with daily business, how they are dealing with customers, and how you would say how value is created on a daily basis. And Philip brought that over in such an authentic and credible way that it makes him an extremely strong leader. Mm -hmm. So this is my number one. How about you, Nick? Well, I obviously agree it's extremely powerful. And it's, in, in, in a way, in a very simple way, it's also just a, a form of empathy and of, of, of kindness and interest in the people you're working with. Yes. You know, just to show interest in what they're doing and how they are contributing. Um, but obviously, I was, I was also really charmed by the very practical example of um, uh, warm hearts. Because mm -hmm. you, you can set a value and you can write it on the wall, but it all depends how you, how you act on it. Mm -hmm. And if I then hear Philip saying that he calls every team member on his birthday, his or her birthday, even when it's in the weekend, those are the little things, you know. It's all the sum of all those little things that really build up a culture of warm hearts. So I found that quite powerful as well. And, um, and lastly, what I mainly found interesting um, was the, the, the cold hearts in terms of it's a common misperception that um, in unbossed organizations that, that everybody does what they want. The you know? cool head, you mean? Yeah, yeah. The cool head is all about, okay, in times of crisis, it's clear who the leader is and yeah. it's clear that the, 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 the leader takes decisions, you know? Um, and a common misperception is that in unbossed organizations, crisis or daily basis, it's chaos and everybody just does what they want, yeah. which is absolutely not true. I mean, unbossed organizations are the most clear and structured organizations there are. And whether it's crisis or a daily basis, everybody knows which decisions are made by whom. Yeah. And, and those people also have the trust of the, uh, of the organization to take those decisions. So um, the cool head one was interesting because it triggers uh, an often misperception of how unbossed organizations work. Um, so yeah, those leadership values, very powerful, especially when you act on it like Philip does. Um, was there something else that, that, that triggered you in this, uh, in this conversation? Oh, yes. The Pecan tool. I learned something today. The Pecan tool? Yes, sir. Okay, the feedback tool. The feedback tool. Because at the very first moment, I was a bit put off by the fact that this Pecan tool obviously is used as an anonymous feedback tool, oh. so where the members uh, of the team can give anonymous feedback, which is, of course, not the ideal situation. The mm. ideal situation is open feedback. Yeah. But when I hear from Philip the story, the development of this Pecan tool, 
it becomes very, very obvious to me that this can be the path from starting at zero feedback, how it often is uh, in this world in reality, towards the goal of open feedback, and that this is a realistic path instead of saying, boom, we make the big bang from zero feedback today towards open feedback, which probably is not realistic, mm -hmm. to use this tool, even if at the beginning the feedback is anonymous, towards the end goal of open feedback. How do okay. you see this tool? Well, I was, I was first asking, uh, questioning whether you, how do you, so you see the system as, a, as the, the first important step coming from a zero feedback culture to a 100% open feedback culture, you see the added value of using the system to step-by-step step go into that journey. Do that, I understand that's what, I, that's what I meant. Yeah, that, is what yeah, I, yeah. that is what I learned today. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I, I, I agree. I agree on, on, on both sides. Uh, when, I when he first mentioned it, I was, I was kind of also, oh, are we now moving dialogue from human-to-human -human dialogue into a IT system? Oh, no, what are we doing? But then I had the same insight as yourself. And secondly, it's, um, it's actually a, a great um, example of how data can trigger self-correction. And I'll explain myself. So in an unbossed, agile, self-managing organization, the idea, the principle is that you don't have one person saying to someone else what they are, have to do or not. The idea is that people self-correct themselves based on stimulus and triggers from what they see on how they can improve the organization. And actually what happens here is that people anonymously give feedback. The feedback in the system creates data. The data is fed to Philip, and it triggers Philip to self-correct whenever he notices something in the organization. And what does it trigger? What kind of self-correction? Dialogue. Yeah. It triggers Philip to go into dialogue with um, about specific topics, um, often topics with some tension, uh, with some, some obstacles, um, to put it on the table and to invite people to participate in the dialogue. And that I find a, a very powerful example of how data can trigger dialogue and self-correction. Yeah, I fully agree. And then within these dialogues, there is already the fully open feedback. There's nothing anonymous anymore. And there we have it, yeah, the pathway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so, well, great one again, and looking forward to the next one. Same for me, Nick. Ladies and gentlemen, we hope that you've enjoyed this inspiring episode of the Unbossing Podcast. To round today's episode up, we would like to give the word to Thomas for a very special request. Thanks, Nick. Dear listeners, if you would like to recommend to us other possible interview guests who did lead successfully or even unsuccessfully interesting and inspiring projects where they liberated their people from bureaucracy, gave them more freedom in order to do uh, their work and their passion, please feel free to contact us you find the contact details on our website.